0: We are continuing on with Chapter 13, which is the patient assessment process. We started going into the rapid secondary assessment for major trauma victims. Part of this, anytime we're dealing with trauma victims, we're going to obtain a GCS on every single patient that we, that we encounter. If we're dealing with a trauma patient, we're going to go through another score as well. And we refer to it as the revised trauma score or R or the
1: RTS. So there's three
0: components of the RTS, information that we need in order to get this score. The first component is the GCS. So we have to get the GCS first before we can obtain an RTS. Then we're gonna obtain this, or plug in the systolic blood pressure, and then the respiratory rate. So the RTS, these are items that we should have already obtained on our patient, full set of bottle signs that we obtained during that secondary assessment, now we're just gonna plug those items in and get a score. And that's what the RTS looks like. So the GCS, uh, if it's 13 to 15, we get a four, all the way down, and if we get a three, it's a zero. Systolic blood pressure, if it's above 90, we're gonna get a four. If it's a, If they don't have a systolic blood pressure, they get a zero. Respiratory rate, again, if it's good, 10 to 29, they get a four, they're not breathing, they get a zero. So with GCS, the lowest they can get is a three, the highest they can get is a 15. With an RTS, the lowest they can get is a zero, the highest they can get is a 12. And again, just like GCS, I'm not going to expect you to figure a GCS without being able to refer to a chart but you do need to know the components that make up the RTS score. And again, once we get to a pediatric patient, we're gonna have to do it a little bit differently. So and unlike the GCS, the RTS for a pediatric is pretty considerably different how we manage it. So we add points or we subtract points based on the chart. So first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the patient's weight. They're over 20 kilograms, they get plus two right off the bat, 10 to 20 plus one. They're less than 10, they're getting a negative number. We're going to subtract a one. So if they're under 10 kilograms, we're automatically starting off in the hole at a negative number. From there, we look at the airway, normal is plus two, uh, maintainable is plus one, minus one if it's unattainable. Central nervous system, if they're awake, it's plus two, obtunded, plus one, coma, minus one. Systolic blood pressure, over 90, it's plus two, 50 to 90, plus one, less than 50, it's minus one. If we cannot obtain a systolic blood pressure, we can, instead of using systolic, we can do pulse palpable. So these two, we use either or on these two. So palpable blood pressure at the wrist, at growing, no pulse is palpable. Open wounds, and skeletal injuries as well. And again, we just either plus two, plus one, minus one, and then at the end we get our
1: score. So again,
0: with a major trauma, either a significant mechanism of injury that we talked about last class, or patient's obviously critical, then we're gonna do our rapid secondary assessment. We do our primary assessment, like we would on every patient, Then we do our rapid secondary assessment, a quick head to toe. The only thing that we're we're treating on scene during a critical trauma is potentially life-threatening injuries. So things like flail chest, pelvic fractures, uh, femur fractures, major bleeding, chest injuries, and so forth. If it's not critical, we're not going to treat it on scene for major traumas. We're going to do that en route to the hospital. So again, that's only for major traumas. If we have a minor trauma or an isolated trauma where we're not worried about no significant mechanism of injury, we don't consider the patient critical, we're not going to do a complete head-to-toe. We're going to perform what's referred to as a modified secondary assessment. So modified secondary assessment, again, if the mechanism of injury does not lead you to suspect major or additional injuries or problems... And during a modified secondary assessment, again, it's not a complete head to toe assessment. We're only focusing in on the area of complaint. So again, if I'm walking, step off the curb wrong and break my ankle, but don't fall, I was able to sit myself down, that's gonna be a completely isolated injury. I stepped wrong, hurt my ankle. There's no point of doing a complete head to toe. You're not gonna find anything. So again, in those instances, Again, don't do a head to toe, just look at my ankle, where the area of complaint is. Still part of that secondary assessment is obtaining bottle signs and the history from the patient, talking to the patient. And again, since we, it's not a critical trauma or it doesn't have a significant mechanism of injury, we're not as worried about our scene time. We don't have to worry about the 10 minutes or less. We can spend more time on scene. If at any time, though, during our assessment, we feel, hey, we might have missed something or this patient may be more seriously hurt than we initially suspect. At that, at any time, again, we can go back and we can perform a rapid secondary
1: assessment, that full head to toe if need be.
0: So, again, that's it for trauma. Major trauma, significant mechanism of injury, obviously critical patient. We perform a rapid secondary assessment, quick head to toe. Those patients, we are worried about 10 minutes or less on scene. Minor injuries, isolated injuries, no significant mechanism of injury. Again, we don't do a complete head to toe. We just focus in on the area of complaint, and we're not so much worried about on scene time. Again, if if it's not a critical trauma, say same scenario, I broke my ankle stepping off the curb wrong. Again, we're not worried about the 10 minutes on, on scene or less. Take the time to go ahead and splint that injury on scene before moving your patients. Again, because we're not worried about rapid transport times. All right, so moving on now for
1: medical patients. If we have an
0: unresponsive patient or one that has significant altered mental status, we're going to do a complete head to toe assessment on the patient. Again, if we don't, if it's not immediately known why they are unresponsive. If, if I roll up to a patient that's unresponsive and the family's telling me they're a diabetic, I'm probably not going to do a complete head-to-toe. I'm going to check their blood sugar and try to roll that out real quick. But if we have somebody, a medical patient, that's completely unresponsive and we're not sure why, go ahead and do a complete head-to-toe assessment. Baseline bottle signs. Again, first full set of bottle signs is performed in the secondary assessment. Position your patient. You, the best way for transport may be lateral or recumbent, maybe supine, semifowlers with head slightly elevated. Make sure that we do get a complete full history, including a sample history from the patient or from family members or bystanders, caregivers that know the patient.
1: And other than that, we're going to transport the patient. If we have a responsive patient, patient's conscious
0: and talking to us, we're going to assess the complaints plus the signs and symptoms. Again, medical patient, conscious alert, complaining of abdominal pain. No point in doing a complete head to toe. Focusing in on the area of complaint. Obtain your sample history from the patient as well. Modified secondary assessment, focusing in on that area of complaint. Don't patient complaining of abdominal pain. The only area I'm probably going to assess is the patient's abdomen. Palpate the abdomen. Look at the abdomen. Again, full set of vital signs during the secondary assessment. And then we're going to make our transport decisions. Again, do we think patient's stable? We can spend some time on scene or something going on with the patient where we need to kind of shift our focus into loading and getting the
1: patient to the hospital more quickly. So medical patient who is not alert,
0: is disoriented or is unresponsive. Again, we're gonna perform a rapid secondary assessment on the medical patient. So a complete head to toe. Instead of looking for indications of trauma though, we're more looking for indications or uh, symptoms that may, signs that may indicate what's going on with the patient. So when we get to the head, some areas that we really need to focus on is pupil status. Unequal pupils with altered mental status, can indicate uh, strokes. Facial drooping, again, tends to indicate strokes
1: in a medical patient. The neck, still looking for jugular vein distension, tracheal tugging or movement of that trachea. Expected neck for JVD,
0: uh, excessive neck muscle use when the patient inhales, increased respiratory effort. Medical identification tags, they do instead of bracelets, they also make necklaces as well. Tracheostomy tubes, again, anything that may indicate what could be going on with a medical patient. Again, there's your medical alert tag. Make sure that we look at it if they wear it. Again, typically, one side is going to have this type of symbol. On the flip side of it is going to have their medical diagnosis, why they're wearing it. Chest, again,
1: make sure that we do listen to The
0: lung sounds, things that we may find that are critical in the chest, retractions, accessory muscle use, diminished breath sounds, crackles, wheezing, any advantageous lung sounds. Again, that's cluing us in about what could be going on with the patient.
1: Again, check chest for symmetry, equal
0: rise and fall of the chest, auscultate lung sounds. Moving on to the abdomen. Critical findings of the abdomen include things like severe abdominal pain, tenderness upon palpation, discolorization, again, especially around the belly buttons or the flank. That indicates internal bleeding. Rigidity tends to indicate possible internal bleeding or tightening of the abdominal muscles. Distention, again, is probably going to indicate uh, internal
1: bleeding. Make sure that we palpate the
0: abdomen, deep palpation in all four quadrants of the abdomen. Again, feeling for anything abnormal, distension, tenderness, rigidity, uh, pulsating masses. Again, if we note a pulsating mass, note it, but immediately stop pressing on it and do not press on it again. Again, AAA, abdominal aortic
1: aneurysm. Pelbits, critical findings include lower quadrant abdominal pelvic pain, especially in females, tenderness upon palpation, females of childbearing years with a history
0: of missed periods or vaginal bleeding may indicate an OB, Um, things like ectopic pregnancy, spontaneous abortions, etc. happen, tend to happen very early on in pregnancy. So patient may be having a miscarriage, spontaneous abortion, and not even realize they're
1: pregnant yet. Extremities, look for any excessive peripheral edema or swelling, especially in the lower extremities. Pulse, motor function, sensation,
0: all four extremities. And look for medical identification tags around the wrist or ankle. I've never seen a medical alert tag worn around the ankle. But if we're down there, again, just keep an eye on it.
1: Make sure we don't forget to check the posterior body or the patient's back. Check the back for discolorizations, edema, and tenderness as well. Again, bottle signs this is going to be done during that secondary
0: assessment. Blood sugar is going to be very important as well, especially for unresponsive patients due to a medical reason. Any patient with altered mental status may be suffering from hypoglycemia or lower low blood sugar levels. So anytime we're dealing with a patient that has altered mental status, we need to obtain blood sugar levels on them to roll that out as a possibility. Make sure that we position the patient to p- avoid the potential of aspiration, the p- place the patient in the left lateral recumbent position for transport. Again, laying them on their side can help clear that airway if they do begin to vomit.
1: Sample history, looking for the
0: following indicators. Again, ask about what's going on with family, so forth. Are they complaining or did family state the patient was complaining shortness of breath? Chest pain, any other type of pain, severe headaches,
1: lightheadedness, dizziness, faintness, severe itching throughout the body, may indicate things like allergic reactions, were they having abdominal pain or lumbar pain, pain to the back.
0: With our medicals, we're going to treat as we assess. We find something, we can go ahead and start providing treatment for that. After we complete our secondary assessment, we're going to reevaluate our transport decision. Is this patient critical? Are they relatively stable? Do we need to go lights and sirens to the hospital? Can we get by? with going just code one, no lights, no sirens, follow normal traffic laws to the hospital. And then throughout transport, we're going to reassess the patient any alterations in mental status, confusion, et cetera, we consider them unstable, so we will reassess vital signs every five minutes throughout transport.
1: If we have a responsive medical patient
0: who is alert and oriented, again, just like with minor trauma, with these type of patients, there's no point in doing a complete head- to toe. So get your history, figure out what that chief complaint is, evaluate, dive deeper into that chief complaint. again. especially if it's pain, use that OPQRST mnemonic. Complete the history, again, sample is just kind of a starting point. Uh, We need to dive deeper into the patient's complaints. Modified secondary assessment, again, not a complete head to toe, we're just gonna focus in on that area of complaint.
1: Full set of bottle signs, Again, provide
0: care as we treat or assess. And then again, after we have all the information, make your transport decision on how we want to transport the
1: patient to the hospital. So again, that's your
0: secondary assessment. Pretty different between medical and trauma. Again, for secondary assessment, trauma. Significant mechanism of injury, obviously critical patient, altered mental status, et cetera. It's a rapid secondary assessment, quick head to toe, only treating life-threatening injuries that we find on scene. Remember, with secondary assessment for major trauma, we start our secondary assessment on scene, and then we complete it in route to the hospital because things like vital signs, especially blood pressure for major trauma, should be done in route to the hospital, not on scene, unless we have enough hands to do it simultaneously. Minor trauma, no significant mechanism of injury. It's a modified secondary assessment, just focusing in on the area of complaint. For medical patient, unresponsive medicals from unknown etiology. Rapid secondary assessment, quick head to toe. Conscious medical patients, modified secondary assessment, focusing in on the area of complaint. All right, after our secondary assessment, now we're going to perform a reassessment. Purpose of the reassessment. Reassessment is to determine the changes in the patient's condition and to assess the effectiveness on our emergency care. So we've already done our first assessments. Now we're going to repeat some assessments to determine how's the patient doing. Are they getting better, worse, staying the same? Is the treatment that we're providing helping the patient's condition? Reassessment is most often performed in the ambulance until care of the patient is transferred to the hospital personnel. The vast majority of the time when we reassess patients, we are reassessing as we are driving them to the hospital. However, if there is a delay in transport, we have prolonged extrication. We have multiple patients where we're having to sit on scene with a patient waiting for additional ambulances to get on scene. We may have to start that reassessment process while we're still
1: on scene with the patient before we transport.
0: We're going to follow the reassessment process, which is assess, intervene, reassess. And again, things that we're doing, we're trying to detect any changes in patient's condition. Identify any missed injuries or conditions that we may have previously missed on scene or intentionally skipped because it wasn't considered life-threatening and adjust emergency care if necessary to do so. Again, if our interventions aren't working, then we may need to reevaluate our treatment plan and change it. So steps of the reassessment process, very commonly misquestioned on your next exam. The first step of the reassessment process is to repeat the primary assessment. We want to go back through our ABCs, making sure that the ABCs are still good. Then we reassess, record bottle signs, repeat the secondary assessment for other complaints, injuries, or a change in the chief complaint. So we repeat the primary assessment. We're gonna also, if we have time, repeat our secondary assessment. Again, we have that major trauma that had that tib-fib fracture. Tib-fib fractures are generally typically not life-threatening, so we're not gonna treat that tib-fib fracture on scene. We're gonna focus on loading and transport. <clears throat> if we have a long transport time and we're reassessing, repeating that secondary assessment, now if we have the time, now we can go back and we can treat that tip fib fracture. Check your interventions. Again, make sure that our interventions are having the desired effect. And if not, we may need to rec- reconsider them, come up with a different treatment plan. And again, throughout this entire process, we're noting trends in the patient's condition. Is the patient getting better or worse, staying the same? We reassess mental status, any changes in speech pattern or appropriateness. Is there any changes in their ability to obey commands? Are they starting to become more oriented and now they are able to follow our commands when they once couldn't? Or are they going in the opposite direction? They were initially alert and oriented on scene, following commands. Now they can't. Repeat your GCS. Again, every patient has to have at least an initial GCS and a GCS once we get to the hospital.
1: Repeat, again, your primary assessment, airway, breathing, oxygenation. Repeat, checking on your circulation, again. Repeat bottle signs, record your repeated bottle signs. Was there any
0: bleeding that we might have missed? Or if we did find life-threatening bleeding on scene, we stopped and bandaged it on scene, is our dressings and our bandages still controlling the bleeding? Or is the patient starting to bleed through our treatment? assess skin color, cap refill, look for skin color changes, feel for changes in temperature, condition, et cetera. And again, reestablish patient priorities. If we initially thought the patient was pretty stable, we were going code one to the hospital and all of a sudden the patient starts getting very a lot worse where the patient is no longer stable. We may need to upgrade Two code three lights and sirens after we already started transport.
1: Reassess and record bottle signs, repeat components of the secondary assessment for other complaints as well. Again, check your interventions, make sure they're still effective, and note trends in the patient's condition. So reassure the patient. Again, don't forget to
0: talk to your patients if they're conscious. Repeat your primary assessment, bottle signs, appropriate elements of our secondary assessment as well. Again, check your interventions. Make sure they're having the desired
1: effect. If not, adjust them. Again, we're looking for trends in the patient's condition about improvement, getting better, getting worse staying the same. So
0: key points for patient assessment. Treat while you assess. Issues with the ABCs must be immediately addressed when we find them during that primary assessment. So again, as soon as we check on the patient, if we notice the airways occluded, stop what you're doing, open that airway before we move on with our assessment critically ill or injured patients treat issues with the ABCs, consider immediate transport. If we are having to remove clothing, et cetera, we need to do what we can to protect the patient's modesty and dignity as well. And think about the environment that we find the patient in. Is it snowing outside, raining outside, uh, extreme heats, et cetera. Again, that may be detrimental to the patient or to us during our assessment, if that's the case, we may need to load the patient in the back of the truck before we do a very detailed assessment
1: on them. Again,
0: do not forget to talk to your patients. Let them know what you are doing while we're performing it, etc. It's a very important thing to remember right here. Remember, the most grotesque injuries may not be what's going to kill your patient. So don't get tunnel-visioned on um, something that looks gnarly, looks bad, because oftentimes the most grotesque injuries are not life-threatening. Again, we'll go back to that tip-tip fracture. That pictures that we saw earlier in the lecture with that tip-tip fracture was pretty gr- grotesque, obviously fractured. Again, that's not going to kill our patient. So if we get so tonal visioned on that, we miss that the patient's abdomen is distended and firm to the touch, and we notice those discolorizations, that indications of internal bleeding, that will kill our patient and fairly quickly. So again, don't get tonal vision on a specific injury. Make sure that we are performing a good, thorough assessment. And again, it's important to remember we do not perform complete head-to-toe assessments on every single patient, only
1: those when it's needed.
0: Summary. Patient assessment provides the foundation for patient care decisions. Again, if we do a bad assessment, we're not going to have a full clear picture of what's going on with the patient, which means we're probably not providing the best care for that patient as well. The steps of the patient assessment process include the scene size up, primary assessment, secondary assessment, and then the reassessment. And again, you need to know those steps in order and what type of treatment is provided for the different types of steps. Or wh- like, which part of the patient assessment process do we check a blood pressure? It's the secondary assessment, etc. And the purpose of the primary assessment is to find and intervene immediately if we note problems with the ABCs. <clears throat> secondary assessments performed to find problems in addition to those that may have been identified in the primary assessment. And again, how we perform that secondary assessment is going to be dependent on the patient. Medical versus trauma, stable versus unstable, mechanism of injury, et cetera.
1: Unstable trauma
0: patients, unresponsive medical patients receive a rapid secondary assessment, a full head to toe. Stable trauma patients, conscious medical patients receive a modified secondary assessment, only focusing in on the area of complaint. Reassessment is performed on all patients. Three reasons we perform reassessment, detect changes, trends, identify missed injuries or conditions, and to reassess our interventions to see if we need to adjust it.
1: And the steps of the reassessment, again,
0: includes repeating the primary assessment, reassessing vital signs, secondary assessment, checking on your interventions, and noting trends. And again, the first step of the reassessment process is to
1: repeat the primary assessment. Okay, any questions over the rest of Chapter 13?